Welcome to the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Quinn, and I am a mom on a mission to help you launch, grow, and scale a profitable freelance business from home. Join me each week for tangible business advice, along with inspiring interviews, all designed to help you mom strong, work smart, and live free. If you are loving this podcast, finding yourself motivated or inspired, learning something new, or just a fan of the show, do me a favor and help me spread the message. Screenshot the episode, add it to your Insta stories, and tag me at Michaela.Quinn. Every share helps me reach more and more moms, and I may just share your share and feature you in my Insta stories too, because together we can take over the world. All right, mama, it's time. Grab your coffee, water, or wine, because we are starting. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I am so happy you're here and super excited to bring you another student success story straight from the Live Free Academy. Today, you're going to get to meet Crystal and she started her business back in 2019. So she's been doing this for over four years and has had a wild ride. So you're going to get to hear how she got started, how she landed her first client within two weeks of enrolling, how she built her business while battling depression and ADHD, and also how she went from general virtual assistant to specializing in tech and funnels and all the things and how her hourly rate grew along the way to starting out at $25 an hour to $120 an hour now in four years. It's an amazing episode. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to get a lot of inspiration and motivation to either keep going on your business and or finally get started. So buckle up and let's go meet Crystal. Crystal, welcome to the Live Free Podcast. I am so pumped to have you here and so excited to just sit down and kind of dive in and hear all about how you built your business, kind of how it went and where it's at now because you've been here since 2019. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, so I guess I'll just get into it. Yeah. Just tell Um, us like who you are. Give us your, your, your background intro spiel. Okay. So my elevator pitch is, hi, I'm Crystal Silvis and I am a web developer and certified master marketer. And I help female entrepreneurs marry the tech and design in their businesses in WordPress and FG Funnel. So basically I have a technical brain where people are like, hey, Crystal, I found this new software. Can you learn it and teach it to me. And it's been like that for for years, ever since I was like in high school. But I love the creative side of it. So instead of like looking at a project from one tiny little piece, I like to take a more holistic view when I'm looking at websites and funnels and do all of the techie pieces on the back end in addition to the design. So everything runs smoothly from the get go. That's a really interesting combination because I feel like people are either techie or creative or they feel like they have to pick one. You're like, no, I like both areas and I'm going to do both and it's going to be this super awesome package for my clients. Yeah. So I have ADHD and I think a lot of the ADHD plays into that because I've always been a person who's like, oh, I'm going to learn 
and everything. I I joke and say that I collect post-apocalyptic life skills um, <laughs> because I I like I knit, I crochet, I I do all of the above. So like when you talk about your bow business, I'm always like, oh, I had a crochet business. Like I used to custom design costumes, and I went to school and became a hairdresser at one point. Yeah. Like it's all over the place, and. It always comes back to I need an outlet for creativity to really get that like dopamine flowing. Uh And then I really like to solve puzzles. So that's where the techie piece comes Uh from. Like if you come to me with like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on. There's this insane thing and nothing's working. I'm like, yes, it's a puzzle. I'm going to figure this out. So I have clients who I do both for. I have clients who I do one thing for. I have clients who who I just do the tech for. Actually, I work with a client of Mackenzie's on all of her tech for her funnels. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. So now how did you get into the freelance space and like, what were you doing prior? So prior back in, oh goodness, 2017, and before I worked at Nintendo of America for six years. Okay. I started out there as like a customer service rep on their back end, dealing with like fraudulent activities, getting to tell people, oh no, that Nintendo DS that has the serial number on it is your DS. And somehow someone got the credit card information and the correct billing information and, and, you know, put games on your kid's system. No, that wasn't an unauthorized charge. Um, so that was always really fun. And then I kind of morphed into doing data analysis for them. Actually, I, I did forecasting and scheduling for their workforce management department, managing a call center of around 350 seats and telling managers when to hire and fire and determining how many like people we needed at any point in time on the phones in any given thing. So a lot of moving pieces, uh-huh. again, puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked there for, for quite a while. And I actually met my husband there and we got married and went to Japan and saw the Nintendo in Japan and all of that. But I actually got fired from that job because uh-huh. Looking back, I realized that it was probably my undiagnosed ADHD Mm because I actually didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 34. Mm -hmm. I'm 36 right now. So that was only two years ago. Like right around the time of the pandemic was really when I like went to my doctor and was like, something's going on. Like, let's Mm -hmm. figure this out. But I kind of self imploded. I had this great job where it was great. And then the manager left. And then I filled in for six months, applied for the manager role. And they were like, oh, no, we're going to hire someone who has experience with such and such software. Because mind you, I was managing a 350 seat call center in Excel. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't no fancy software or anything. I was doing it all in an Excel sheet. Yeah. Um, so I've got some mad Excel skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but They brought in a new manager and they brought in some new software and get this new manager didn't know the software. Guess who learned the software and taught everyone to use it? Was that you? That would be me. Uh Um, And so that kind of started like a downhill spiral between like anxiety and depression. And like, I never, I never got to the point where I was actually suicidal 
but I and sorry, trigger warning. I definitely had days where I was driving to work going, oh man, I wish the other cars would just run into me so that I didn't have to go to work. Like mm. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to hurt myself, but I wanted something to happen so I didn't have to be at work. Yeah. So that was really, really insane. Oh, and then I, yeah. I got fired and then we got pregnant. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we had been trying for like two years to get pregnant and we assumed that it was just all the stress because not even like three months after I was fired, I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. Um, and we decided that we couldn't live in Seattle on one income because it was basically one income. I ended up going and working another job mm -hmm. as like a veterinarian front desk person. It was mm -hmm. really low key. It was really cool. I was doing their social media for them. Oh, I didn't mention that. I've been doing public relations since I was like 18. As a volunteer, I, I was a public relations manager for a 501c3 nonprofit that focused on cross-cultural communication and education. Mm -hmm. For almost a decade, I ran all of their street teams and did all of their social media. I did a lot of like one-on-one -on -one networking with cultural groups in the greater Seattle area and managed a team of volunteers that was like sometimes a hundred plus volunteers. Wow. So like I've had a lot of like really varied, interesting experiences, but because of that, I was doing their social media and then we decided to move to the town that my husband's family's from, which uh -huh. is a tiny, tiny little town, not actually that tiny, like 16,000 people. So okay. really small compared to like the Seattle area. Yeah. And when I was 36 weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so we moved when I was 36 weeks pregnant and had a baby and had some recovery time. And when she was about three months old, I started working at a little consignment shop that's in the town and I would wear her to work and everything. And it was Are you great. Bring her? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Because um, I was only doing it part time because I didn't have to work. But when she started to crawl, they were like, oh, you can't bring her anymore. Oh. It's a safety thing. And I was like, okay, well, if it's a safety thing, then there probably shouldn't be kids in this store ever. And it was funny because it was a kid's consignment shop. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I just, I don't need to work for you anymore. That's fine. But then I, I found myself going crazy because I'm like, oh my goodness, I need more intellectual stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, I love my baby. I love my baby so much. Mm -hmm but she can't even talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I have these two degrees. Oh, I, I have two bachelor's degrees, a bachelor of science in marketing management and a bachelor's of arts in design. So I was like, okay, well, I've got this marketing degree. What can I do? And I joined the website jobs for moms or something like that. And they hire my mom.com. It might be that. Okay. Yeah, I think it's that. And I was like, oh, well, I could do this. And then I found your podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, let's look into this. And I listened, like binged your podcast. And this was in like September of 2019. Okay. And then October of 2019, you had like a cart open. And I mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to get it. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I didn't tell my husband. I just stuck it on my credit card and was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And your daughter at this time was like, she was about just under a year. And I was like, okay, well, I haven't had a real marketing job because 
me and myself and all of our imposter syndrome, um, mm-hmm. you know, everyone out there with imposter syndrome, by the way, one of the best quotes I've ever heard. And I think I might have heard you say it once mm-hmm. before, but I'm not entirely sure. But the best thing I've ever heard is that true imposters don't feel like they're imposters. Uh, yeah. So if you have imposter syndrome, you probably know what you're doing. Yeah. Like the more yeah. you learn, the more you feel like an imposter. Yeah. And or um, have a good heart. Like there's that anxiety of like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want to hurt anyone's business. That's telling me that you care. Yeah, definitely. And if you care, like that's such a huge difference because sometimes people that know everything don't care and they do very bad work. Yeah, for sure. And it runs the gamut online too. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got everything from people who will like give you everything off their back to the people that are just like, give me all your money and then they ghost you. But yeah, so I bought your course and I dove into it and went through like the first three modules and then was using the Swap It Sunday threads Mm -hmm. and getting um, testimonials and figuring out what I wanted to do. And I landed my first client within maybe two weeks from the job board. And actually, a lot of my clients, even now, still come from your job board. I'm mostly referral now, but I Uh still like, I'm like, oh, hey, another job board listing came through and I check it out. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do for your first client? I was just a general VA for a yarn company, which was really cool because I, well, like I had mentioned, I knit a crochet. I had a crochet business. My grandmother had a 350 acre ranch. So I learned all of these skills from her and I call them my post-apocalyptic life skill collection. And so it was really neat because even though she just had me doing general tasks, And a lot of things like in her Shopify site, I knew a lot about yarn. So I was really able to help in like more aspects of her business than she was expecting a VA to be able to do. Yeah. And didn't you land her because like the subject line was something like when I I feel like I remember you pitching this and sharing it. It was like you had me at yarn or something. Yeah. 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 It was something like that for sure. Um, I'm sure I still have it in my email because I tend to be an email hoarder, but Yes, I was like, fellow Yarny here. Yeah. Absolutely. You were sending super personalized and let your personality shine and show through in these emails. It wasn't just, hi, I saw your job posting. I would like to work with you. Here's my portfolio. I'm sure you yeah. infused your personality into that. And that's what. And even means. now, even now, I'm so selective in who I reach out to because if there's not a connection, then. I'm not necessarily looking for one-off clients right now. Like I have a lot of clients that come to me one-off, but when I'm looking for new clients or new clients are coming to me, I want to make sure that we really drive and that our values align so that I do have repeat clients because I think that building up a relationship is a lot more important than the churn. I know in the very beginning, it was really hard to do that because I was like, oh, I just want to make money. I just want to pay my student Mm -hmm. loans. I got to pay back my course because my husband doesn't know it's on the credit card, (laughs) (laughs) you know, things like that. And I've definitely had missteps, like even recently, like we had moved back to Seattle last year and I was really desperate for clients. And I took on a client that came to me after going through a funnel that I made for a program called Tech DX that I was doing is basically a 
hey, hire me, I'll come in and do an audit of all your tech systems, let you know where there's overlap, let you know where you might be able to save money and go from there as kind of like an intro offer to a longer term managing your tech relationship. And I had this person come to me who wanted me to consult with him. Uh One, I don't usually work with males. Uh And there was every red flag in the book. And I was just like, oh, no, he's willing to just pay me to listen to him and talk Mm -hmm. to him. Ultimately, back in December, so this was actually still pretty recently, Mm -hmm. he skipped out on a $2,300 invoice. And that was fun. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I decided not to pursue it because it wasn't worth my time and legal fees to even push it into small claims court because I'm in Washington. He was in Florida. But it was another big eye opener because I have a couple of clients that I let pay invoices at the end of the month. And I still do have some of those. But I was like, I had gotten lazy and started to invoice people after the work was done. And then I was like, oh, that that's going back to invoice up front again. Yeah, guys, never I mean, I say never, but people always make exceptions and it's always fine until it's not. Right. Even now, like I still do have a couple of clients that I invoice at the end of the month. One of them is someone that I work with pretty regularly that I actually know in person that is kind of a mentor. So she, she, I invoice at the end of the month and I white label stuff for her. So that one, I never really know what's going on and it's for her clients. So I don't have a problem with invoicing her at the end of the month, but it's really more of an exception versus a rule. So Crystal, this is awesome, but take me back to the beginning kind of, so you landed that first client, like walk us through like the general timeline from like you signed up, you landed that first client doing general VA stuff. What did landing the next couple look like? So I landed the one with the yarn company at about the same time as I started working more techie stuff with a gal who did Facebook ads and ran her own course group and courses for a $5 ad system Okay, or $5 a day ad system. Uh So I... I had talked to them maybe weeks apart, but ended up landing both of them at the exact same time. And both of them were on retainer for about 15 to 20 hours a week total between the two of them. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is this is a lot of work Mm -hmm. from going from nothing to going to that 20 hours a week. I was working. Yeah, because I was only working during nap times or when the husband was home because I am not an early riser. Like I am not that person that can get up at 5 a.m. and work in peace. I wish I was. I know. Um, (laughs) I used to be able, like, God love that old me. Now, maybe I'll get to it. But right now I'm like dragging out of bed and all the advice is like, don't ever drink coffee first on an empty stomach. Don't let coffee be the first thing you reach for. That's a sign you're under, you're sleep deprived. I'm like, I'm a mom. Like, of course, that's what I'm doing. Oh man. So I wish coffee helped. So funny thing with ADHD is that coffee isn't the same, like with my ADHD, like I have a coffee and I'm like, oh, I need to take a nap. (laughs) I did not know that. I love coffee. But I need like three or four cups before anything really happens that will actually help me focus or be productive. I start every morning with a glass of ice water. Okay. Okay. So you you were kind of booked out now, just a couple of weeks into yeah. the course, found two yeah. clients. The second one, was she through the job leads board or? She was. She was. So both she clients through well. the job leads. 
Yeah. That's awesome. What happened from there? Kind of just working, maintaining? Yeah. So I worked with both of them for about three months. And then I decided I wanted to shift more into like a tech VA type role, which is kind of what I still do now. uh, But I don't call myself a tech VA, but I basically do tech VA work. So after about three months, I actually let the yarn company go. I hooked them up with another gal from the course. So I actually connected her with her next person, which was someone that I had been working through like pods with, like I had a little study pod. And then I I kept my other client, the, the Facebook ads lady and raised my rates. So I started at 25 an hour. And then within three months, I moved them up to 35. And I worked with her for about six months. Then she just she asked me if I would go back to 25 an hour. And I bailed. I was like, no, I'm sorry. We can reduce the amount of hours that you're doing a week, make that fit into your budget. But I'm not like you've been paying this for three months now. I'm not going to go back to 25 an hour. And actually from there is really interesting because my next client I booked at 65 an hour. Oh, wow. Basically doubled what I was working with. Because that's one thing I found with kind of niching into tech is that if you do it well and you present yourself well, knowing what you're talking about. And you don't even have to necessarily know what you're talking about because there's YouTube and Google and you just need to be a couple steps ahead of your client, really. And people will come to you and they will pay what you're asking for. Where did you find that client that was $65 an hour? In a random Facebook group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think maybe boss moms. I'm not entirely sure at this point. Like I don't really even remember. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook. That's something Um, people are always like, where do you find higher paying clients? Like they're hanging out where you're at now. Yeah. You're just maybe too scared to raise your rates. Yeah. And when I raised my rates, I had also joined Julia Taylor's geek pack. Okay. So, because I was like, oh, I want to learn to code. Like I've known how to do websites. I've done WordPress before. I grew up in the age of live journal. I was coding MySpace and Neopets forever, you know, 14 years old thinking I was like in the CIA getting all these (laughs) cool things for my MySpace. And it was something that I really wanted to do because when I went to school for my first bachelor's degree, which was in design. I took a Java programming class in my last quarter of school and failed it by 0.08. And that made it so I didn't graduate. Uh, I went back four years later and got my last four credits. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I know I know how to code. I have to do this. I want to do this. So I took Julia Taylor's course. Mm -hmm. And that was fantastic because it like she made it really accessible. And it, it reminded me a lot of overwhelmed to overbooked slash live free new name. But yeah, so that was really cool because that gave me even more confidence. Uh And then I booked a few websites and did like websites from scratch, like coding them. Now I don't code them because what I've found with a lot of my clients is I don't want to do the general upkeep on a website Uh necessarily that I build like I know a lot of designers, well, maybe not a lot of designers, but there are a lot of designers that will have retainer packages for like plugin updates and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I will do that for my clients as part of an overall tech package. 
but I don't do that for just website clients. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm running all your funnel tech and building out all of your automations and making sure everything functions, I'll update your plugins like kind of as a, I'm going to throw it in, throw it in there. But I don't do that as a standalone because it's not something that lights me up. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's what I essentially run my business on what lights me up because if something doesn't light me up, I can't force myself to do it. Yeah. Um, because I don't have that kind of motivation. Yeah. I mean, you you're really self-aware to know that and make those choices. Like, okay, I know this about myself, so I'm gonna do this in my business or I have to do it this way and to actually And it's definitely been a lot of trial and error. I would say that there's definitely like, there are things that clients have asked me to do and I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And then I push it off and push it off and push it off and push it off. And I know that's terrible customer service until they're like, hey, can you still do this thing for me? And then I'm like, oh yeah. And then I get it done like instantly, but it was like this dread of doing something that I didn't actually want to do. And I realized like, I can't run a business like that. I can't just push things off. Yeah. So I've become a lot more selective in like who I work with and what I do. I used to just do whatever, like someone would come to me with a Squarespace site and I'd be like, sure, or with Wix and all these other things. And I didn't like Wix. I didn't, um, a lot of people don't like Wix. Yeah. Um, I didn't. (laughs) No one has anything nice to Squarespace. (laughs) Right. I have, I've had clients come to me and they're like, I'm on Bluehost. And I'm like, okay, well, I can help you migrate off of Bluehost, but I'm not building you a website on Bluehost. Yeah. They're like things that I'm like, you are my boundaries. Uh And if you're not okay with that, then we're probably not going to work well together. Yeah, I'm not going to take your money. I'll refer you to someone else. I'm more than happy to, I want to help everyone. I really do. But I personally cannot help everyone, but I will help you by referring you to someone who can help yeah, you. That's awesome. So, okay. Kind of back to, back to the beginning a little bit. You had those two clients. You let the first one go. When you yeah. let her go, did you land a new replacement client or were you just working with the Facebook ads lady at that time? I was just working with the Facebook ads lady on retainer, mm-hmm. but I was picking up website products. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, that's when you moved yeah. to doing some web design. Yeah. And then you landed a new client that was the tech VA role at 65. Can you explain what the tech VA role is? Yeah. So it can really vary. Like I've had people come to me that are like, hey, I need a tech VA. And they're like, schedule my Facebook posts. (laughs) And I'm like, "That's, that's not a tech VA. I mean, it can be, it can definitely be part of that, but that really falls more into like the marketing realm of things and social media and and all of that. But a lot of the things that I do, I set up automations. I troubleshoot things when they're broken. I set up a lot of Facebook pixels, which I know there's come some blurry lines in like what ex- what exactly is tech VA and what isn't. But probably the biggest things is like figuring out how to make separate systems talk to each other in a way that doesn't fail often because <laughs> they they will fail like things will- oh yeah and so okay can you explain because there's a lot of newbies that are listening here and they're like systems talk to each other like what do you even mean and I know I'm guessing you're gonna mention Zapier yes <laughs> when I was starting out I just did general virtual assistant stuff anytime someone brought up Zapier because I'm not a super te- like I wouldn't 
sometimes tech stresses me out to the point where I avoid it. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then I get to the point where it's like, okay, this has to get done. You've got to figure it out and I can figure it out. But in the beginning, Zapier stressed me out. Anything automated stressed me out. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because like with Zapier, it's it's one of those things that I go into it and I'm like, wait, this is techie? Mm-hmm. Like, cause like my, it really is a lot easier. Like it, it feels more intimidating than it actually is. Yeah. Um, the only time it really gets very complex is if you're using like web hooks where, mm-hmm. where something doesn't, that doesn't have a native integration with Xavier. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, FG funnels didn't have a native integration and now that now they do. So a native integration is like where the developers of both of the software have decided that they're going to work together and allow access to each of the different softwares. So in this case, it was Zapier and FG Funnels, which is a white label of Go High Level. So the Go High Level developers were like, hey, Zapier, we want to be able to directly talk to you mm-hmm. instead of making our clients use something called a webhook. And so then they get together and they say, okay, well, you're going to have this level of access to our software to do these certain things. And then they generate an API code, which is basically your secret password to let them talk to each other. Uh And so that makes it so that then all you're having to do is either stick in your API code or log into your account through Zapier and then they magically connect mm-hmm. like auto magically really it's it's not magic but it to, even to me it's magic because I am not a software developer yeah. by any stretch of the means yeah to help some of the the beginners out there not feel too glazed over go high level is like a email funnel software that people use to build landing pages, collect emails, and send out emails, right? Kind of basic. Zapier is the connector tool. For me, I don't use Go High Level. I use Entreport and I use Thinkific. So Entreport is my funnel software. Thinkific is where my course is actually stored. When someone purchases the Live Free Academy, we have a zap that talks to Thinkific that automatically sends out Everyone who purchases adds them to Thinkific and then sends them the welcome email. So that's kind of like what Zapier does. It connects, it does all of that. And so if you're not glazed over at this conversation yet, TechVA might be like a great pivot for you. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of the tech VAs that I have met, they tend to be similar to me in that they really like complex puzzles. Like mm-hmm. if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm just going to have a puzzle night all night. And not necessarily just like jigsaw puzzles. If you've ever found joy in a logic puzzle, you probably want to be a tech VA. Um, <laughs> <That's> or... <funny>. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> there's space for all of us. Yeah, it definitely gets more complex. Uh-huh. Like webhooks are probably the most complex and that's because it's pulling in raw data. Uh-huh. So it definitely isn't as difficult as a lot of people make it out to be. A lot of the techie things that I do are like they become second nature or they might be a little intimidating at first, but I'll just YouTube it or look through like the software's Mm -hmm. knowledge articles. I never hesitate to reach out to any of the companies like through their chat or their, their different support methods. And my clients don't care 
that I'm reaching out to them because they're like, I don't have to deal with the tech support. So that's another thing that you do as a tech VA is you kind of become that buffer between the like IT and tech support and the business owner because no one wants to spend all day fighting with your frontline customer service reps or explaining this issue over and over again in different ways. Because unfortunately, like there are varying levels of customer service. And usually when you're doing like a chat, you're hitting what is like their call centers, frontline Mm -hmm. people, and they have very specific things that they can do and can't do. I know this from working in a call center. And so sometimes you have something that you go to them that is more complex and they won't be able to help you and they'll have to open up a ticket with their developers, but you're saving your client time because they don't have to do it. Yeah, but it gets done and you do it. Mm -hmm. What is like the difference tech VAs can charge? Like, so you said you were doing 35 for VA and then um, like basically added on 30 for your tech VA client. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because the gal that I white label for, um, cause I, I do both design and tech stuff for her. She like, when I told her what I was charging, she was like, Oh my God, you have to charge more. Mm-hmm. You have to charge more. And that was when I was charging 65 an hour. Mm-hmm. She was like, Oh my goodness. If you were an agency, you would be charging these people $120 plus. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money to be made in the tech world. Yeah. Absolutely. There's there's money to be made in every industry and in every niche, but if you like the tech, you can charge. Yeah, and I, I think that like a good starting rate for someone who's brand new into being a tech VA would be that like thirty five, forty five dollar mm-hmm. range, just until like maybe your first or second client, mm-hmm. and then each subsequent client bump it up another ten dollars, mm-hmm. and you should just keep bumping it up until until you feel slightly uncomfortable with what you're charging people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's usually like when I, I usually raise my rates when I feel comfortable with what I'm charging people. Yeah. What do you charge now for tech work or do you? Uh, It kind of runs the gamut. Uh (laughs) Um, I have a couple of people that are still around like $85 an hour, Mm -hmm. but new clients, I sign them at 120. Mm -hmm. if they're one-off projects. Mm-hmm. I do retainer and one-off for tech. So is tech stuff mostly done still per hour because you have, like it's really hard yeah. to navigate how long something will take? Yeah, it really is. There are some things that I will put together like a project for. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of things per hour, but I don't necessarily tell the clients that it's per hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do have some that they know that I'm charging them per hour and others, I have my hourly rate. They don't actually know my hourly rate. I have a couple of clients that are just like, just send me an invoice. I don't care what you're charging me. (laughs) And so, so I like tally it all up on how many hours and I have a base rate that I use for them. And then I send over the invoice. They have no clue what they're being charged. Yeah. But what I have found, I do a higher hourly rate for small one-off projects. And then I have a retainer rate, but my retainers are not you absolute, like I'm going to come hunt you down so that I do five hours of work for you. My retainer rates are, you're going to pay me to save five hours of my time this month. Mm -hmm. If you use it, 
great. If you don't use it, I'm not hunting you down and it expires at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Like I know in the very beginning, I, I was like, oh, I ran out of work. My client still has hours. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to them and see what, what work I still have to do. And now I'm like, no, if they have something for me, they have something for me. So I get to rely on that income. Uh And some weeks I work 20 hours in a week. Some weeks I work two hours in a week, Uh but that monthly income stays pretty much the same with the exception of when I take on one-off clients. Uh Um, And most of my one-off clients turn into retainer clients. Uh I don't like to jump straight into a retainer. Uh Web design, on the other hand, all of my web design stuff is all Uh project-based. Yeah. But as far as tech goes, I'll usually give someone an estimate about how long I think it's going to take and how much it's going to cost. And then I give them a flex on like, this is the actual amount. We're going to take an upfront invoice for the amount for the lower end of what this is probably going to take, but I may need to bill you additional hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that even with my retainer clients, I have additional hours. Like if you need additional hours this month, this is the rate for that. Mm-hmm. And I always round up yeah. to the nearest half hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So You also kind of have added on like another service and pivoted again since moving into the tech VA role. What you want to talk about that new service? Yeah. So I build websites and funnels Mm -hmm. primarily in WordPress and FG funnels. Mm -hmm. And I kind of pivoted into that because I love the design aspect of things. Mm -hmm. And it's like a release, like a creativity thing for me. So I don't take on as many website and funnel clients as I do tech clients, just because not everyone wants to redo their website, you know, every five minutes. There are, there are those people. (laughs) There definitely are those people. But usually a website is like more a one-off project. There are definitely ways to extend that. Like I'd mentioned before, like with, if someone's on WordPress, there's like monthly maintenance. And I know people will add like, oh, I'll do so many edits to your website per month and things like that. I tend to find that all of that falls into tech. So if people want those services from me, then they go with my tech packages mm-hmm. afterwards. And since I work primarily with entrepreneurs that are in the online space, most of them do have things like funnels and not just a solo website for you know your brick and mortar store. And so those, I built my first website for profit at like $500. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2020, uh-huh. in the middle of the pandemic. I had lots of time because my kiddo was still small and I will say that as she's gotten older, working has become harder and harder with her home. Yeah. It's like people think, oh, the, the baby stages are the hard part. No. But I've I've found that like the toddler stages are really hard because they get to that point where they're like, mommy, mommy, I want your attention. And they need that interaction. And they haven't quite mastered like playing by themselves yeah. yet. Yeah. My kiddo is just finally getting to a point where like she'll go play in her room for Mm -hmm. like an hour or so. Yeah. There's been a lot of things like, oh, what coloring pads can I come up with today? Mm -hmm. Like different things to be like, where can I fit some work time in? Even now at four and a half, sometimes I'll just give her my husband's extra keyboard and be like, you're working. Yeah. And she just likes to pretend to work. Total segue. But there was one day we were in the car and I was voxing with a client 
And I hear my kid in the background, like doing her little voicey things. And I was like, Amy, what are you doing? And she's like, I have a client named Becky too. And I'm talking to my client, Becky, but I don't have my own website yet. (laughs) She's going to be a little web designer. Oh, it's great. But yeah, so I was like, you know what? I think I like web design. I think I like it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I I did my first website for $500. It was like a three-page site. And I very quickly was like, oh my goodness, like I'm undercharging for one. But also I don't want to work with clients at the $500, $1,000 website range because they want so much more from you than any of the higher ticket clients ever ask. Really? Like ever. And I just found myself like having to like hunt them down for things. And then they, they wanted every change in the book. So I very quickly raised my rates from there and also very quickly decided that I wanted to work in WordPress that I didn't like I did a Squarespace site once and I didn't like it. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't that it was difficult and I was able to pull it off, but I just didn't like the way it functioned. It didn't work for my brain. I know a lot of people use Elementor Uh for WordPress. Um, I actually use Beaver Builder. Okay. And the reason I use Beaver Builder is it kind of gives me that good in-between between being able to be creative, but also having the techie pieces to it, because you do have a lot more numbers that you're working with in Beaver Builder and like with like margins. So like your spacing on your websites and things like that. So it's kind of like the in-between of like a visual builder for like the web dev mm-hmm. versus the visual builder for the web designer. Mm-hmm. So even though I do web design, I usually kind of present it as development because I do still code. Like mm-hmm. I will still add some CSS in there, especially with FG funnels, because there mm-hmm. are definitely some limitations with that builder, because that is another visual builder where what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. So WYSIWYG. And there are definitely some things where where you're having to go in to like use like the inspect tool on Google Chrome to see what element is what and making a change there using code versus something that you can just see because not everything has an option. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, that got really technical. (laughs) (laughs) The tech people are like loving it and like, tell me more. So what is like your client roster and workload look like now today? Because we kind of went through the trajectory. What does that look like? Right now, I have three mainstay clients. So like three retainer clients. One of them is a white label. What does so that mean? I, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. So I, she's a fractional CMO, okay. so, which means I don't exactly she's know what officer. a fractional CMO is. Yeah. Yeah. And she used to build her clients' websites and do all their tech and she decided she didn't like to. So she basically subcontracts mm-hmm. to me. And so it's basically being a subcontractor. Mm -hmm. I just call it white labeling because that I'm basically ghosting as her. Mm -hmm. Some of her clients know that she's hiring out to do it and others don't. Some assume that it's her. And and that's why I call our specific relationship white labeling versus Mm -hmm. subcontracting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have those three kind of mainstay retainer clients. And then how many like projects or one-offs do you do each month? I take on up to two websites or funnels a month. Okay. So it's 
I honestly, right now in this season of my life, I'm pretty comfortable with not doing a ton of work. Mm -hmm. I'm really fortunate and blessed in that my husband is currently still like the breadwinner. He does IT tech stuff Mm -hmm. that's beyond me for BP. So Mm -hmm. oil, gas and energy, pretty big money. Hopefully I can retire him someday. That would be great. But for now, he's the breadwinner and I take care of our daughter, Amy, full time. Yeah. So it hasn't been a big priority to like hunt down one off projects. Uh I just mostly glide off of my three Uh retainer clients Uh and then we'll take on one off projects as other people come to me, Uh which has picked up a lot. I actually joined a mastermind group this Uh last year. And that's been great, not only for my business, but for like my mental health Uh as well. Because now I have like this group of business besties. And like I went to Chicago recently, and we all like did this cool masterminding in, in Chicago. And it's been really great because we have like twice a month calls where we all get together talk about what we're working on. And it's kind of that accountability piece that can be really hard to come by when you're like solopreneuring it up. Actually, one of one of the gals is, is another OTOer. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nivia Lopez. Yeah. And her and I, we've actually so we met in your uh-huh. Facebook group. And we've actually went through quite a few programs together yeah. because we both also went through the Funnel Gorgeous FG Society. So we're both like certified master marketers. I built her website for her. She did some web copy for me. And then we both joined this mastermind. So just this last spring, I finally met her in person. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really, really fun. That's awesome. So three retainers, projects as needed, and basically just referrals. Yeah. Yeah. Most everything's referrals. I've started to become a little more active in social media, but I don't really post like I have a Facebook page. I have an Instagram. I have a TikTok. Mm -hmm. And for a while, well, with the exception of TikTok, I posted like three TikToks and then was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God, I'm an elder millennial. But I kind of, I post there every once in a while, but I haven't really been super active and I used to spend hours a day trolling the Facebook groups, not not being a troll, but like looking for potential things. Uh, now with this group of ladies, like they tag me in things all the time, which has been really great as well. But most of my clients that I've worked with recently have been like acquaintances of my current clients mm-hmm. or clients of my friends in the mastermind. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so very, very few of them actually come from any activity in Facebook groups and social media anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I still pop in because I I like to help people. Mm -hmm. So I I pop into probably the ones I pop into the most are Marketer's Heart, which is the Funnel Gorgeous Gals. I pop into Live Free Academy every once in a while, but I tend to think that I overcomplicate things a little too much sometimes. So I, I, I always feel like, oh, this is going to go right over someone's head. But I'm always doing little little free things here and there like, oh, you've got this going on with this. Here, let me help you with this. Oh, you don't understand? Okay, let me make you a loom. So I do little things here and there, but it, it doesn't take up a lot of my time. It's yeah. usually like two to three hours a month. And it's not something that 
I schedule or anything. It's just something that I kind of do spontaneously and have really focused more on just all of my social media presence just being, I guess, my family. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of the perk of having the mainstay retainer clients. Yeah. Where some of that stuff doesn't really become necessary. Yeah. And it's definitely always in the back of my mind because I know that like if something were to happen, I would want to replace one of those clients. And if we were in, if we were under different circumstances, like, so we had moved back to Seattle and then we moved back to Linden, which is the town we're in now. So we moved to Seattle for like one year and I was kind of in panic mode needing to make more money because Seattle is crazy expensive. But then we moved back to the countryside and now, and my husband got a better paying job that like almost doubled his income. So we're in a much better situation where I am fortunate enough to, if I were to lose a retainer client, I wouldn't be in panic mode. But if we were talking about this a year ago, it would be a different situation. Like I definitely was a lot more active in Facebook groups and on social media last year than I was than I have been this year. Where where do you see your business going? Kind of like next steps. I know um, daughter's four and a half, so probably one more year at home before she's in. She's she's actually going to TK next okay. year. Because when we were in Seattle, she went to full time preschool, and when we moved back to Linden, she was really she was really sad about not being in school full time. So she'll be in TK, which is transitional kindergarten, and it's a full-time program. So that starts in September. So I am actually hoping to ramp up the creative side of my business more. And I have a couple of pet projects that they're they're my demon idea babies that are in the nursery. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I have a little, literally in my ClickUp, I have a folder called the nursery. And it's where I put all of my little like tangential ideas that I'm like, oh, this would be cool to do someday. So what I'm working on now is I'm working on a couple of templates because I'm like, okay, everything that I've done now has been one on one. Mm -hmm. And I would like to go the one to many route. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to start, I'm hoping within the next two years, so a little bit longer term to start kind of a mentorship Mm -hmm. program, because that's always been something that I've wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It's in the works. And then my recent hyper fixation has been roller skating. Mm -hmm. And while I don't usually work with brick and mortars, I am building a website for my local skating rink. And it made a light bulb go off. And I was like, Oh, I should start a marketing agency for roller rinks in go high level. Yeah. (laughs) to because then I could manage everything all in one space for multiple clients yeah and build out like because one thing that I definitely see roller skating during the pandemic had this huge resurgence and it's Mm -hmm. getting massive again and like I'm taking roller skating lessons my daughter's taking roller skating lessons she wants to be a roller skating figure skater Uh because that's a thing that's a thing Uh like it's Figure skating is not just for ice. It's also on roller skates. Okay. And you go to a roller rink website and I don't know, I think it'd be giving them too much credit to say that their websites are outdated for nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. But definitely like there's a lot to be desired in the marketing sphere for roller rinks. And so that's a little like demon idea baby that I yeah. might be exploring over the next like six months to two years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. It's always 
I mean, when you see a hole in a need, that's a good, yeah. good thing to run into. Well, do you, where can someone go to like connect, learn more about you? I know you have a tech workbook yeah. about that. Is that for like service providers or more? Really? It's for basically anyone working in the online space. Uh-huh. It's, it's a quick little freebie. Forgot the URL for it. Um, we'll, we'll link to it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I I'm really great with forgetting little, little details like that. So that I usually have like notes up everywhere, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, so it's, it's really for just about anyone in the online space and it's, it's more to just catalog what you have, because I know that when you get in the online space as a business owner, you start picking up all of these different pieces of tech everywhere. Uh Um, Some of it paid, some of it not. And even I still do this and I'll be like, oh, I have an account for that. Yeah. Um, so it's really to like just organize and take stock in what you're using and what you have and keep a running list mm-hmm. because that is one of the first steps when I'm going into a to a company to do a tech audit is I give them this because I can't tell them what they're using. Yeah. Like, unless I'm working in your business day in and day out, I don't know what tech you're using. Yeah. So when I come into your business to review your tech and try to help you consolidate and save money, I need to know what you have everywhere. Yeah. So I decided instead of just offering that to my audit clients that I would offer that to everyone because I think it's a great thing for any business owner, even if you're just starting out. And are only using like one thing. Yeah. You can at least start your list. Yeah. Because then as you're signing up for all these different things that you're using, you have a list of everything that you've got so that you're not like, oh, yeah, I have this cap wing program over here. And I also have a Miro board and I have this and I have that. And oh, these five things do the exact same thing and I'm paying for all of them, that kind of thing. Yeah, very cool. Well, that's super helpful when you're getting started, guys. Check that out. We'll link to it in the episode description. But Crystal, thank you so much for coming on today and just opening up kind of your business journey, what it's looked like, how you've grown it through the years. And we're excited to see what you do in the next six months. Absolutely. It's been fun. And and you can find me on Facebook. Oh yeah. <laughs> Facebook will link to it um, as well as her Instagram. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you. Now, just because the episode is over doesn't mean the knowledge party has to stop. Come hang out with me and thousands of other mamas in my free Facebook group. Just search Facebook for the Live Free Podcast Mastermind with Michaela Quinn or go to the show notes. We have it linked there. And make sure you answer the questions so our gatekeeper knows that you want in. And don't forget, sharing is caring. If you are loving this podcast, please take a moment to share it with your friends. But make sure you tag me at Michaela.Quinn on Instagram and at Michaela Quinn on Facebook. See you next week.